The nail in the coffin! It's episode number 67 of The Nail. I am Tom Valentino, joined as always by Travis Yuley. We are recording on Thursday night. And Trav, uh, between the Cavs bringing the uh, the crushing curtain of reality down on the Celtics last night and uh, Frankie Lindor's grand slam in the ninth, gotta say, last night, just about as good as it gets here uh, in the regular season in Cleveland. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I think we were kind of... I don't know about you, but watching the tribe, I was sort of reserved to the, uh, all right, we took two out of three from a pretty damn good team. So I'm happy with that start. And, uh, Lindor had other ideas, I guess. I have to make a confession. I, um, I was flying back in last night from Seattle and no, I know where this is going. Well, yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I, I had set the DVR to record the end or uh, record the Cavs game. And I was listening to the Indians on the radio on the drive back from the airport. And, I told everybody that I normally text with you included during games. I said, um, don't text me. I'm going to be catching up on stuff on DVR later. And I was kind of flipping back and forth between the tribe live and the Cavs on DVR. And I got so it was like whatever point it was in the game when the Cavs like really threw the hammer down. I kind of got locked in on that and I missed the ninth inning of the Indians. (laughs) Oh no. But uh, rest assured, I, I, I was working from home today and I saw the replay on STL and um, I I saw the version online last night with the STL broadcast, uh, the one with uh, Tom Hamilton dubbed in and also the one with Tom Hamilton and the theme from Titanic dubbed in. So uh, I I got every flavor (laughs) and every variety. Twitter was very interesting last night between the, uh, the Lindor shots and the, uh, the opposite end of the spectrum. If you happen to be the uh, lady friend of the uh, Rangers closer, you had a uh, concurrently rough night. So, uh, oh, is that who that was? Yeah. It, oh, it I thought she was just a fan. Chick overreacting to, to a loss in Game Three of the regular season. Oh. <laughs> it turns out that's her boyfriend. So, a little more understandable, I suppose. But still, watching it, I. All I could think was when they showed her, I'm like, this woman is like all out sobbing for a regular season, like game three of the baseball season. That's uh, rough. It's going to be a rough, rough summer for her. But uh, a much better looking summer uh, lining up so far for the Indians. I know we're only three games in, but um, it's looking great so far. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to talk baseball tonight. And uh, we uh, we have a guest joining us. Um, you know, we had uh, John Hutchison from uh, a contributing writer from the uh, Burning River Baseball uh, website. Um, he joined us last year, uh, got us off to a good start for the Tribe season in 2016. Figured we got to bring him back. So, Hutch, welcome back to the Nail. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to be on your show. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, let, let's before we get started with uh, what we've seen here from these first three games in Texas, uh, let's just kind of rewind it back to the off season and um, just some of the moves that the Indians made, obviously I think you got to start with uh, Edwin Encarnacion and then uh, uh, the Logan, the reliever, uh, middle reliever, left-hander. And then the Indians also, um, you know, signed a couple of their, their guys who had been on the, you know, with the club before uh, locked them up to some extensions overall. Are you pretty pleased with how this roster is shaped up 
as uh, we kick off the 2017 campaign? I definitely am. I, you know, in fact, I, I don't think I could be any more happy than I am right now. I mean, signing Encarnacion was just a huge, huge signing for the tribe. I think it, I think it also showed the fans that you know, it was always well when the Dolan spend will come out and watch the games. Well, I think you're seeing that right now, and um, you know, people are buying tickets, and I think they said it's already sold like 1.2, 1.3 million tickets, which is about as many as they did the, for the entire season last year. And it's only what the third game of the year, and they haven't even played one at home yet. So love love that. And the Boone Logan signing was one of those under the radar signings across MLB. But for Indians fans, you really gotta love that. I mean, this guy, you know, he's a he's a lefty specialist, and you know he can he he can get those guys out the, the left-handed hitters. They you know it's a compliment to Andrew Miller. So he's not the only guy. Now they spent a pretty penny on him too. I, I think the contract was five and a half or six and a half million dollars for the guy, and you know it's one of the higher salaries on, on on the team at that point before they did these contract extensions. But yeah, I mean the moves in the off season have been great. Uh, you know, I like I said, I just really couldn't be any happier with what they've done so far. Yeah, and they had. Um, I mean, it's not like the bullpen was a weakness before. Um, so shoring it up even further, I think sent a really good message that, you know, they weren't content with where they were, even though, I mean, Andrew Miller and Cody Allen were incredible in the playoffs last year. Um, I don't know that you can ever have too many lefties in the bullpen really. Yeah. I mean, they, their depth there is, is fantastic. I mean, pretty much the bullpen was, was set up going into spring training. They only had one spot open and, you know, that was one by Sean Armstrong, who's, um, a good strikeout guy and you know they're not really going to count on him for super pressure situations but um you know that bullpen with alan miller shaw otero logan McAllister, and armstrong it's got to be the best in major league baseball if not among the top three i would say so you know once the starters if the starters can go six innings in a game you know it's it's looking pretty good that the indians are going to win and uh, I'm pretty pretty excited about what they've done with their bullpen and, and their pitching staff. And beyond that, um, when you start looking at the position players, uh, a couple guys that were pretty key contributors last season with um, Jose Ramirez and uh, Roberto Perez. And I guess Perez, his contract extension, actually, I, I think that was officially done this week after the season had begun. But, um, you know, also encouraging to see them locking up those guys and really doing as much as they can to kind of keep the nucleus of this team together um, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I mean, they're core players. I mean, they're going to be around for a long time. So this, you know, the window isn't just this year. Um, Obviously the goal is to win the world series this year, but you know, I don't think it's a one and done situation here. I think that they could be good for the next two or three years. I mean, they've got everybody, from, uh, you know, Encarnacion, Kipnis, Lindor, Ramirez, Brantley. I mean, these guys, these are their key players, and they're locked up for a long time. So, you know, I think it just provides some security for the for the players. Um, you know, they don't have that pressure. Um, one thing I did see, I will add, um, you know, this is Carlos Santana's free agent year. And you could expect them to have a pretty big year, as a lot of guys do when they're, 
you know, going to head into free agency. Um, I saw a story today, though, by CBS News um, or CBS Sports, rather, that they're looking to maybe sign Santana to an extended long-term deal. So we'll see how that develops. But um, if you do that, too, I mean, wow, you're just this team's just going to be loaded for a long time. And, you know, it's really kind of exciting for Tribe fans. And, you know, the depth of the team, I I think even if they do have a few injuries this year, I think they're going to be okay. I mean, you know, they're starting the season with Jason Kipnis on the DL and Chisholm, and they really haven't missed a beat, to be honest with you. Um, You know, they slid Ramirez over from third to second. And uh, so it's provided an opportunity for the rookie Yande Diaz, who's, um, you know, we know he can hit, at least he has in the minors. And so far he looks comfortable at the plate. We'll just see if he can continue it and, you know, at least play an adequate third base uh, for the time being. I think going into spring training, everyone sort of expected Yandy Diaz to, you know, get, get some reps, play a little bit, and then start the season in the minors. Um, and he just hit the crap out of the ball for, for, for basically all of spring to the point where they couldn't, uh, they really couldn't avoid putting him on the roster. They had to do it. Um, so what do we expect from him? Do we expect him to be a, you know, an everyday player for them? I mean, obviously when Kipnis comes back, what, what's his position going to be? What do you think, I guess, what do you think their plans are for him now? Well, I think he's going to play every day for now until, you know, Kipnis is ready to come back. And, you know, if he keeps hitting like he did in spring training, they're going to have to find a way to keep him on the ball club somehow. Um, you know, whether that means a guy like my, um, Michael Martinez is let go. I know Francona really likes him as a utility guy because he can play five or six positions pretty well on defense. Not the best hitter, but, you know, he provides a lot of better leadership and speed on the base paths and all that. But, you know, if Yanni Diaz can hit, and it just seems like he can, if, if he could be like a, you know, 275, 285 type guy, hit 15 home runs this year, I just don't know how you put that guy back into the minor leagues. I think you just find a spot for him. Um, you know, so as long as he hits, I think he's going to stick around. But, you know, again, it's you just never know how the situation's going to be at the time when Kipnis comes back. I mean, they're saying, you know, it could be another week to four weeks before he comes back. I'm not really hearing much buzz on his timeline right now um, for coming back to the season. But, um, it just, you know, there could be another injury, uh, from somebody else and you don't have to make that decision. So, and, you know, as, as Frank Kona likes to say, he likes to play for today. And, um, as long as he hits, I, you know, I think it's going to be really tough to send him back down to the minors. So we'll see, but I like the guy as a hitter. Um, so far he hasn't made really big mistakes at third base. Um, I don't know if they if his future might be in the outfield eventually. Uh, I know they tried to put him in there in the outfield last year in triple a had mixed results. Um, so I, I think it's kind of one of those things you just with him, they're just going to play it as the situation presents itself. I, you know, and, and hopefully he'll hit and make it tough on him. I think that's really what they're kind of hoping. And I think that's what the fans are hoping too. Given his production and and just the way the, the the strength of this lineup overall, do you think that kind of makes the Indians more cautious 
in how they approach rehabbing Jason Kipnis and the timeline for bringing him back? And is there less pressure on on him to get back as quickly as possible, uh, given the, the 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 depth they have elsewhere? Well, I, I think they kind of learned a lesson from Michael Brandt last year. You know, they rushed. I shouldn't say they rushed him, but he came back and he clearly wasn't ready to play every day. Um, and then what he played 11 games last year. So, you know, they took approach with him this, this spring that, you know, they were going to make sure he was really good to go before he was activated because they didn't want to just play that game of, you know, a couple days here and then he has setbacks and they got to put, you know, they didn't want to do all that like they did last year. So with Kipnis, I think, Yes, there is a little bit less pressure to maybe hurry up and get him back because they can absorb him on the DL for now. But I think what they're going to do is really what's best for him. And and I think that's what they've done because by the reports I heard, he could have played, um, you know, at the time when he was shut down. But they figured, you know, it's spring and it's not October or September when they really need him in there. So they decided to just, you know, shut him down, let him uh, rest and rehabilitate, and then be ready to go and ready to be the Jason Kipnis that we all know and love. And um, you know, to me, he's the heart and soul of the team. So once he, I, I just think they want to play it smart with him. And, you know, I think they're in a position where they they don't necessarily have to make him play if he's less than a hundred percent or if he's less than ready to play every day. Okay. So you threw that heart and soul title out there. Um, guy (laughs) who currently seems to be, uh, filling that role, uh, hit it, uh, turned out to be a game winning grand slam last night and seems to have gone in seemingly in, in the matter of the, from the world series to now, um, I'm going to say from the very beginning of the World Series to now playing, you know, really only playing 10 games and then obviously going through the spring seems to have catapulted from a really good player to one of the, you know, soon to be superstars of uh, Major League Baseball. Where's the ceiling with Francisco Lindor right now? Or is there one? Well, I don't think we've seen it yet, to be honest with you. I mean, which is fantastic right yeah and i'll tell you what i you know on burningriverbaseball.com we do uh season predictions um we you know we predict like who we think is going to win the division who we think might win some awards around mlb and so i actually my thought is i think lindor is a legitimate al mvp candidate and i think he's going to win it actually if so that's what i'm predicting going into the season because his defense is he's he's Last year he was rated the best defender in all of baseball. And I think he's one of those guys. He can hit 315, 320. And I think his power is still developing. He could hit 15 to 20, 20 plus home runs this year. And with that lineup behind him, in front of him, I mean, he's going to see, they can't pitch around him. He's going to get pitches to hit. I, I just think he could be, you know, in the competition there with Mike Trout for AL MVP. Which is kind of incredible, considering what Trout's done over the last few years, and kind of shows no signs of slowing down. Honestly, um, I mean he's he's what been top one or two in MVP every season for the last five, which which is kind of incredible in and of itself. And if you're saying 
you know, if you're going to say that Lindor's in that same class, then I think you have to be really excited for what to expect out of him this year. Oh, yeah. I, I just think he's got all the tools. I mean, he's got speed. He's developing power. I mean, he, he just he's smart. He's energetic. Um, you know, he's he's got charisma. He's got that smile. He just he's, you know, yeah, he's, I was, was going to say he's also really know? fun to watch play. Yeah. You know, he's a guy like, you know, back in the in the 90s when, you know, everybody loved Jim Tomey. You know, I think now Lindor is that guy. He everybody loves Lindor. What's not to like about the guy? He's fun. He's good, first of all. He's great, I should say, not not just good. But they just seem to have so much life when he's playing well. And it's like the team kind of just rallies around his enthusiasm. He's still young, so it's like he's still learning, he's still hungry. Uh, he's not a grizzled veteran. Yeah, I've been there, done that before. It's just like you're seeing all these firsts with him. And, you know, he got on the big stage last year, and then he was in the um, the World Baseball Classic, and he was a star there. You know, I just think, like I said, I, I think he could be one of the top players in MLB this year. I think he kind of encapsulates the Indians in general. Um, when you just you look at their nucleus, and they got a lot of guys – on the front nine of their careers. <clears throat> and, you know, they, they had last year, you know, they had Mike Napoli and, and Rajay Davis and, you know, they, they, they had some of those older veterans. Um, the, the third baseman, his name is escaping me. They, they cut ties with him in the middle of the year. Oh, uh, Juan Uribe. Juan Uribe. Yeah. So they, they had some of these older guys and it's like, you know, Going through that, you just felt like going through that postseason and a pennant race down the stretch of the regular season and getting into the World Series and going to Game 7. Those guys, I mean, that they have back now, I mean, they're they're younger and, and they're still in the early part of their career. But you get the feeling that, you know, they're ready to kind of take on leadership roles and, and you don't need the the older guys necessarily quite as much to be showing the younger guys the ropes, it feels like. and um it's uh, it, it bodes well for the future. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, you know, once you go to a world series and have an extended playoff run like that, you know, you, you've got experience. And, and I think that's before, that's why they needed these veteran guys because until last year, nobody on the team really had much playoff experience. Um, you know, you needed a Mike Napoli because there wasn't anybody who'd been there and done that before. You know, this team's now they they're pretty much all back from last year except for Napoli but they added Encarnacion who's a you know he's a veteran he's got lots of playoff experience and you're right I think the young guys can step up um into those leadership roles and you, you don't need that guy who's like on the, the end of his career you know like um trying to think of Jason Gian you don't need the Jason Giambi on the team to just kind of be there just because he's a leader essentially not because of his skills at that point in his career so I mean you really gotta love it like I like your what you said about the front nine of the career I think that's a really good way of putting it for most of these guys I mean they're they're either at their peak or not quite at their peak yet most of them there's a few I mean like Brantley and Santana and Carnacion those guys are maybe on the other side of their career, maybe on the ninth or 10th or 11th hole, um, so to speak. But, you know, it's just like, you know, Jose Ramirez and Lindor and Diaz and Naquin, you just have, and Gomes and Perez, you got these guys, they're just, you know, they could even be better this year. 
I mean, you would hope that the catchers would be better this year because they were terrible at the plate last year. So if they're just average players behind the plate, it's already like a huge improvement. So it's it's exciting. You know, you had mentioned um, Brantley and, and what he went through last year. And, you know, it just seems like what we've seen so far this year, and again, the season's only three games old, but to this point, it just feels like everything out of him has been really encouraging. Uh, how much can we really expect out of him relative to what we saw from Brantley pre-injury? Well, I think, you know, just based on how he performed in spring training and, you know, just two games so far. But, you know, I think it's possible that you could see him play in about 120 games, barring any other setback or any other unrelated problem. Um, 120 games would be realistic. You know, I think if you got 15 home runs, 75, 80 runs driven in uh, out of him, I think that's a pretty good year. And I think that's reasonable to expect as kind of his baseline. If he gives you more than that, then fantastic. You know, I, I just think, you know, he, he's a bonus. Um, but, you know, he, the more he plays, the more he's not going to be considered a bonus. He's just going to be considered Michael Brantley again. And I think that's what he's waiting kind of to uh, to get to. And the, and the team is hoping he will get to where it's where they stop talking about his past injury and just start concentrating on what he's actually doing now. And so I think he does have I mean, the guy, by all accounts, he just works super hard. And, you know, Frank Kona talks about that all the time, about how he's just such a hard worker. And, you know, he's he's where he's at now because of that hard work. Um, so I think hopefully they have the injury situation figured out with him and he can stay healthy. And, you know, if he's batting in the three hole four to five times a week, you know, that's, that's great. Like, especially with right-handed pitchers, he's going to be in there just about every time I would say. And then you, you get the, the lefty or, you know, you play a day game after a night game, that's an opportunity to sit him down and get him a rest. So 100, 125 games, I would say would be a good baseline for him. And, you know, I, I think he'll have a pretty good season. Well, I will say that uh, last year, uh, about two days after the World Series ended, I was walking out of my office and I actually went walking past Progressive Field to go get lunch. And I saw Brantley uh, taking his truck out of the, the player's parking lot and a bunch of fans were gathered around the gate. And I walked up to him and I he had his window down and was talking to people. And I told him this year is going to be the year and, and he was going to bounce back. So, uh not saying if, uh, you know, World Series MVP happens for him that all the credit should all go to you. me, but, you know, I I put the wheels in motion for him. So. <laughs> you know, if that does happen, I will give you the credit. <laughs> he actually, I, think I actually heard him say during the spring uh, that it was that guy that yelled at him last year when he was trying just trying to go home. So this crazy guy was yelling at him, telling him how, you know, next year's the year and said it's all to that guy now. He yeah, did one more, I, he did one more rep in the weight room because of that, right? You're welcome, <laughs> Cleveland. <laughs> uh, All right, uh, go ahead, Trev. Kind of ask a generic question, I guess. At this point, what I guess what are the your keys to look at? I guess going forward for the rest of the season, rest of the season. It's, it's three games in, so for the season in general, I suppose. Um, what I guess what do you what are you going to keep your eyes on? What what things concern you, or what things do you think? Um, outside of injuries, 
Um, like what things do you think could be the most likely to derail them or, or, or cause them issues? Well, I think, I think oddly enough, the part of the team that worries me the most is the starting rotation. Um, you know, they, Kluber pitched a lot of innings last year. That's kind of crazy. Uh, kind of a crazy change from 12 months ago, isn't it? It is. It is. But you know what? It's still one of the best rotations in baseball. Carrasco Salazar, it's always like, well, we know they, they have the stuff and the talent. It's just, do they actually put it together and do it? Um, do you think I they're going to, do you think they're going to try to limit Kluber's innings a little bit more this year? Cause they've been throwing his arm off the last couple of seasons. You know, I, I think they'll pick and choose their spots, but, you know, I, I don't think they're really going to go out of their way to give him any more rest than they would, normally would, to be honest with you. Okay. I mean, if they happen to clinch in September early, just, you know, sure. best case scenario, maybe that's he misses possible, a couple. I think, considering this division. Yeah, it certainly is. Hey, let me ask you this. You know, moving from the rotation of the bullpen, <clears throat> you. You had mentioned at the at the beginning here about uh, adding Boone Logan. What do you see for Andrew Miller this year? I think Tito Francona really seemed to kind of reinvent the way uh, premier bullpen guys are used with the way he uh, mixed and matched with Andrew Miller and Cody Allen last year. And obviously you're not going to be running out uh, Miller for as many innings uh, every night like you would in the postseason or you would in the in the last couple of weeks of the regular season when you're trying to clinch the division. But um, how much what, – what will his role look like this year? Well, I think you will – you're not going to see how the playoffs – how he was using the playoffs for the whole season. I think what you'll do is you'll see him – you know, he might come in if it's a tight game – you know, maybe comes in the sixth inning and faces the heart of an order. You know, say he's got, um, you know, three lefties coming up and it's, uh, you know, the Indians are up three to two or, or down three to two or whatever the score might be. Instead of waiting to use them in the eighth or seventh inning, use them in the sixth inning for the what could be the most critical stretch of the game. Um, so I think you'll see him in those situations. I don't think you're going to see him be pitching like two innings at a time like he was in the playoffs or two and a third or whatever it was at sometimes that that's where the the depth in the bullpen comes in into play more you don't have to pitch him a lot of innings like that you can kind of mix him around you can have him coming in the eighth you could have him close on occasion to give cody a break um you can have shaw pitch the eighth you can have otero pitch pitch the eighth so I think you want to kind of pick your spot in the game where, you know, it's it's the most critical. Uh, he's he's probably the most dominant reliever, at least the most dominant left-handed reliever, I think. Uh, Chapman might be up there too, but from the, from the Yankees. But he's he's so versatile that you don't have to just pitch him in the ninth inning. Um, although he's completely capable of being a closer, but you have a closer with with Cody Allen, and Cody Allen's one of the best in the in the American League. So it's nice to have the flexibility and freedom to pitch uh, Miller where he could be the most effective uh, in a game, and not necessarily be held down and pitching to uh, pitching hold into a certain spot. So it's just a great luxury for Francona to have, and and then with the addition of Logan, like you. 
you can have him come in and just get that one tough lefty guy out and you don't have to use Miller for that. So it, it's just, it's just really, I, I think you're going to see it. Frank kind of just continue to be creative with Miller, but I don't think you're going to see him use him in long stretches, you know, more than an inning, at least for now in the beginning of the season. You mentioned Cody Allen being one of the best closers in the American league. I agree with you, but I feel especially among casual fans, he, he still makes people nervous and I don't necessarily think that's fair. Um, Twitter I, doesn't, yeah, Twitter doesn't agree with you. I was no, going to say, I, I've seen numbers and, and I'm not going to get bogged down in the advanced metrics that, but they, they will basically show you that he is one of the most dominant relievers ever. Um, certainly in Indians franchise history. Um, do you think, Hutch, do you think he's underappreciated for, for what he is? I think he's definitely underappreciated. I, you know, people, I think Cleveland fans are just still scarred from the Jose Mesa save in the, in the World Series. And, you know, and then we had in the, in the 2000s, you know, Wickman and some I, Borowski, those guys, you know, they always made it really fun in the ninth inning. So I think people just, you know, you got to realize closers aren't going to come in every inning and be Mariano Rivera. You know, they're not going to pitch one, two, three strikeouts, and then they're out of there. They're going to give up hits. They're going to give up runs occasionally. But the bottom line is, are they going to get the save? That's their job. And Cody Allen is one of the best in baseball at, at actually doing that. Yes, he might give up a walk or he might give up a couple hits. But the other night, what do you do? You know, first two guys got on base, and he struck out the next three to get the save. You know, and the other game, I think it was the first game or whichever one, you know, they had a two-run lead. He gave up a run, but he got the save. So, you know, it, it's always the toughest three outs to get, they say, in baseball. But, I mean, if you look at Cody Allen's his record and his, you know, in his save opportunities, he's around 90-plus percent. And, and that's fantastic for a closer. And if you look at how he did in the World Series, he, I think he pitched more than 15 innings and he didn't even give up a single run. His numbers were comparable to Andrew Miller. Those two guys were virtually the same numbers-wise. So I, I think he's definitely underappreciated. And I think it's because – I think it is because, like we said, he, he – he makes games interesting sometimes, but I think you, you threw the name out there, which is perfect. People look at closers, and I think there's this weird delusion that you have to have Mariano Rivera that goes one, two, three every ninth in order for him to be a good closer um, without realizing that you know, Mariano Rivera is, is not common. He, he's, he's sort of a freak show, honestly. Like, there's guys just aren't like that. Um, so expecting that is just a bit unrealistic and you're setting yourself up for disappointment as it is. Yeah. I mean, who else is Mariano Rivera? I mean, that's the name that we all throw out, but we throw it out for a reason and it's because he's so special and so unique and, and what he was able to do in his career. And um, I, I'm with you, Trav and, and, and Hutch both. I, uh, I think Cody Allen, uh, just a critical component. And I think it, it really just sets up the rest of the bullpen when you know, you've got a guy that's that reliable at the back end. You know, the other part about Allen, too, that I didn't mention, you know, he he pitches a lot. I mean, he's not just one guy who comes in and, sit, you know, pitches 40 games and has like 38 saves. You know, he pitched in 70 plus games last year. And, 
you know, some of those games he pitched more than an inning. You know, he'd come in and get the last out in the eighth, and then he'd, you know, pitch the ninth inning and get the save. So, you know, he's the kind of guy he doesn't have to just come in at the start of an inning and have it be a clean inning. He can get you a couple outs here and there. I think that's really underappreciated by um, by fans who, you know, might not be following the game as closely. But, you know, the guy, he's, he's a stud closer. I mean, I don't think there's any any way else to say it. And the fact he has put himself, I mean, I know this is, is not really what you want, but the fact he puts himself in those really tough situations and seems to get out with them, get out of them with uh, with regularity is is a good sign, I think, because in those playoff games, when you're going to when you're going to need him the most, that's sort of, you know, the fact that he's been through those situations and and reacted really well, I think, is exactly what you want. All right. So that, you know, great postseason run last year. I think the Indians were probably not favored in their first round series with Boston. I, I think, you know, Toronto, I don't remember what the what Vegas had it set at, but um, kind of a coin flip there. Who who are you looking at as being the biggest threat to the Indians uh, winning the pennant again this year and coming out of the American league and going to the world series. Well, I'd have to, I'd have to say Boston, um, you know, they, they traded for Chris sale in the off season and his first start of the year, he was fantastic for the Red Sox. You know, I'm not sure how healthy David price is. Um, you know, I think it remains to be seen if he's going to, come back and be his usual self. Um, but, you know, they, they did lose David Ortiz, um, which I do think is a tough blow for them. I think he was one of the best players in uh, baseball last year, and it's just amazing that he was that old and still that good. Um, kind of crazy but, that he, like, went on this farewell tour last year and didn't seem to have lost a step. He still had a really no. damn good season. I he think have been he, the MVP, too, you know? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's one of those things where he may might might have looked at it and been like, "Well, if I didn't do all this shit all season, geared around leaving, probably wouldn't have," because um, he was still performing incredibly well. Okay, so at this point of the interview, we lost Hutch, but uh, a couple minutes later, we were able to get him back on the line. So let's jump back in here for the rest of the call with John Arthur Hutchison. I mean, really, the only two teams I saw in the AL even mentioned. Um, for the playoffs and this it's sort of weird that there's this few teams mentioned but it really seemed like it was cleveland boston and then everyone else um is there anyone else really in the discussion even maybe texas um i know they need to swap the series from them but what um, you mean the first series (laughs) doesn't end the season no no it doesn't but i think that the rangers will be right up there at the end of the year uh toronto um you know, it remains to be seen if they can withstand the loss of Encarnacion. Um, I don't think they really added a lot, but they do have really good pitching. Uh, their staff is good. Um, so I think they're going to be um, somewhat of a challenge as well. But I think the Indians will win the division pretty easily, and then we'll see what happens in the playoffs. But I do think they'll get to the World Series. Is there anybody in the Central that could surprise us? Like, I mean, if there is, let me rephrase that. If there is a team that's going to surprise the Indians in the Central, who would it be? You know, I would probably have to say Kansas City just because, you know, I think they have the talent. Um, it's just a question of whether they're still in it at the trade deadline. 
if they are, I think they, they could be a factor down the stretch. But if they're not, I think you're going to see them trade away a lot of guys because they have a bunch of their uh, core players in the free agent years. And I don't think they're going to pony up for them, uh, you know, and extend them all to long-term contracts if they're not really in it this year. But if they are, I think maybe they ride it out and, you know, they could give the Indians some 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 competition down at the end, but their pitching, their starting pitching is, is bad. It's, it's nowhere near the Indians level. So, and their bullpen also took a hit to the Royals. They traded away their, their closer Wade Davis. So they're not the same team that they were a couple of years ago, but you know, if they make a trade or guys have a really good year, you know, they could, they could surprise. Since you mentioned the trade deadline, um, I think we're kind of in agreement that there's not a whole lot of weaknesses, not a whole lot of uh, major areas of concern on the Indians right now. But if you were to see them um, or expected them to do anything around the trade deadline, what would that be? And do you expect there to actually be anything, you know, of any real significance? I imagine there won't be an Andrew Miller this year. I think if they do anything, it would be to acquire another starting pitcher um, because, you know, I – I just think you can never have enough starting pitching. And we saw that last year in the playoffs. I mean, they made it to the seventh game on band-aids and, you know, (laughs) all that stuff. And, you know, I just think if they had to give up one of their prospects to get, you know, a a solid uh, number three or four starter, maybe they do it if they need to. You know, maybe Josh Tomlin isn't having that great a year or Bauer is not living up to expectations. I think that's where you might see a trade uh, for the Indians. I don't think they want to wait for their guys in the minors to, um, you know, continue their development. I think they want somebody who could win right, help them win right now. Cause I think this year the goal is to win the world series. And honestly, to me, I mean, I think if you don't win the world series this year, it's kind of a disappointment. Man, hard to imagine that's- a c- couple of years ago that we'd be having that conversation, but. Very real, and it's it's great to hear, man. I'm it's I'm excited. Yeah, this is <laughs> no a, it's going to be a great summer. I agree, and I do I do think they're going to win the World Series. That's uh, that's what I've I've written uh, for Burning River Baseball, and you know I I think this is the year. I think maybe the stars are aligned, and you know I Who'd think you pick from the National League side. I picked the Dodgers. Okay, I picked Seems the like Dodgers. Cubs and Dodgers are the two teams on that side too. Yeah, I just think Clayton Kershaw, I think it's his time. I mean, he's he's the Sandy Koufax of this generation. So I just think I think he's the kind of guy who can will them to the World Series. <laughs> Man, Interesting. year after uh, Vin Scully finally hangs it up, Dodgers could end up in the World Series again for the first time in, jeez, uh, uh, what, 29 years. That'd be something else, but... Um... Yeah, since '88, I think. Yeah, yeah, the Kirk Gibson uh, home run year. That, uh, yep. So, all right. Well, hey, man, this has been fun, and uh, we appreciate you joining us and sticking through uh, the uh, the technical hiccups uh, that we had along the way. Hopefully, I can edit most of those out, and um, when everybody's listening, it uh, should hopefully be pretty smooth sailing. But uh, thanks a lot, Hutch. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, you know, if you want to follow me on Twitter. Um, it's just John Arthur Hutch and uh, Burning River Baseball um, is our main Twitter. And the website, burningriverbaseball.com, is that the, the right URL yeah. for that then? All right. Yep. There you have it. And uh, Trev, anything else from you before we shut it down? 
No, that was about all I had. I think Good next stuff. Week will probably be uh, well, Cavs will be just about wrapped up at that point. What have they got left? Five. Yeah, the uh, regular season wraps up, I believe, uh, Wednesday night. So by the time that we jump on here again, I'm thinking we should have the playoff picture we set. The matchups. Yep. We can uh, we can start rolling on that. But uh, in the meantime, you can always. Uh, Check out old episodes of our show on our website, uh, thenailpodcast.com. Go subscribe uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, and uh, Google Play Music um, to catch uh, every new episode as soon as it goes up. And go like our Facebook page, uh, where today Trav went and posted uh, a video of Francisco Lindor's Grand Slam from last night, so you can go enjoy it over and over and over again. I know I did. It is. It's it's it's, it's it's better with every viewing. It's it's great. And uh, Facebook.com slash the nail podcast. But um, we will be back next week and I'm sure we'll be talking uh, Cavs playoff preview and uh, all sorts of other good stuff. So uh, our thanks again to John Hutchison and uh, for Travis Shirley, it's Tom Valentino. It's been the nail in the coffin and we'll talk to you next week. should be simple just put on your shoes and go and yet when you try to learn about how to get better at it especially as you age you're confronted with conflicting advice complicated workouts and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you on the planted runner i'll share exactly how to run faster longer and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. 